Radio. If I touch my shoulder, it would touch my hair. Starts now. And I said, what the hell is that? And more radio starts now. And welcome to Spirits and More Radio. This is episode 35. And it is a spooky day here in historic Old Town San Diego, where I record this show. We are in a hundred-year-old house, uh, and the spirits here are not restless at all. They're nice and calm, and and if they're here, I don't even know they're here. Just how I like it. (laughs) But anyway, uh, today we're doing a show. This is going to be a storytelling show, and uh, we have a guest that uh, is going to come on and share a little bit about her experiences. If you have any haunted experiences, I encourage you to go to spooksandspirits.com and uh, fill out the form and let us know. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show and and share your experiences. Uh, Another thing we've got going on, our library is now in place on the website, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And if you go into the library on spooksandspirits.com, you'll find books that we mention on this show, as well as books that were written by people who were featured on this show. So uh, there's been at least a handful of uh, people who have uh, written really cool books. So, uh, and books, of course, I know how it is these days. You can uh, get everything on your phone and do Audible, which is cool, but there's something really awesome about a spooky book on your bookshelf mantle. I personally don't dust that that shelf at all to uh, add to the ambiance of the, of the books there. But anyway, uh, yeah, so check that out. That's new on the website. Uh, I've got some other shows coming up, but like I said, we're going to be doing a game show this week, which is really cool. There's this this uh, horror game that uh, we we kind of got privy to and got involved and played, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk to the designer of that game coming up on a future show here, probably two shows from now. I uh, also got a show about uh, The Shining coming up. We're gonna record that one later this evening. So uh, look out for all this stuff. Share it uh, on your social media. We love listeners, and uh, we'll go from there. So anyway, uh, I'd like to welcome to the show, Andrea. Andrea, are you there? I am here. Awesome. So um, we got in touch with each other. We connected on Instagram, I believe. And uh, I was curious because you had mentioned that uh, you've always sort of had some haunting, haunted experiences throughout your life and, and some energy in the house you live in now. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Give us some background, where you're from, where you live, and uh, how or maybe the first paranormal experience you had, how old you were when that happened. Okay. Well, I am a native Floridian, so I have spent my entire life in Florida. I grew up outside of Orlando, and now I live outside of Tampa. My parents' house was very old and was one of the first ones on the street that I grew up on. And it used to be out in the middle of nowhere. And while I was growing up, I come from a long line of country wise women, witches, some people call us. And so my entire mother's side of the family is very intuitive. So from my first memories, any part of childhood, I've always been drawn to the darkness, not necessarily 
nighttime, but the darkness. So things that go bump in the night have never scared me. From my earliest childhood memories, I remember just knowing there was something in my parents' house. And I would always feel someone outside the bathroom door. The way my parents' house was built originally, it had no bathroom. That's how old it was. There was an outhouse. And the man that lived there, he lived in, it was only a two-room house, and he would go from the living room where he lived out a door, which eventually became the door to the bathroom once it had been built on. And in death, apparently he never stopped doing that because from my earliest memory, if you've ever been in a room and felt when someone was about to walk in a door, you could just feel them outside the door and then they come in. That was the constant feeling outside the bathroom door in my parents' house. I would always look over and expect the door to open. Now, sometimes it would as I got older and understood what ghosts were and things such as that. I always, as a child, I wasn't scared. I just didn't think anything about it. But as I got older, I laughed about it. And sometimes the door, the house was built very unevenly, as many old houses were. And in order to open the bathroom door, you had to actually pick up on the door to align the hinges and open it. And so some force would pick up the door and open it. And with age, I'd be like, excuse me, perv, I am in the bathroom, close the door. And the door would swing back and close. So and I'd be like, and don't come in here again <laughs> while I'm in here. Right. And this went on and on and on. And he tolerated us, but he got extremely angry when my dad built what later became my bedroom onto the back of the house and then built a porch. He sent me running out of my bedroom one morning at about 1 a.m. I was sleeping on the floor. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get into my new bedroom. And he, to this day, I can't tell you what he did to me, but I woke up so terrified. I ran to the living room and slept there for the rest of the night. Wow. So um, it, back to the bathroom door real quick. So what you're saying is that the door physically could not open unless a significant amount of force was put towards aligning the hinges to get it to open. Yes. If you wanted to close the bathroom door, you couldn't just pull it closed. You had to either slam it or you had to pull up the door so the hinges would align and then pull it to you and then let the door handle go. I see. So there was just no way that wind or anything could blow that door. That had to be a significant force to do that. Yes. Wow. Yes. And that happened frequently. Oh, that happened all the time, all the time. And as I said, I didn't think anything of it. I would have to warn my friends when they came over. I would have to say, be sure you slam the bathroom door. Because if you actually slammed the door and made a noise, it was strange. It was like that was a warning to him not to bother you. Ah, if see. you just closed the door, it was fair game. But if you <laughs> slammed the door, so all my friends would slam the door. Yeah. So did other people come over, friends, and so, see that door? I knew. Yeah. Would friends come over and see that door move like that? 
Oh, no, no, no. They were more freaked out about, they always said that they felt something strange in the bathroom. They never liked using my parents' bathroom. And being as it, the bathroom was built onto the house, to this day, the back of the fireplace in the living room is in my parents' bathroom. Okay. And as a child, there were still vines growing up from the ground where the bathroom had been built. It wasn't professionally built. It was just built as people built yeah. their homes back then. And if they'd made it additions to them, right. there were vines growing up the back of the fireplace where it had been outside. Wow. And all of my friends would freak out. There was moss hanging <laughs> on the the back of the fireplace and my friends would be like you got stuff on on that wall and i'm like yeah that was the back of the fireplace so what i, I just didn't think anything about it but people just really thought that our house was so strange wow wow so you were saying that your bedroom was then an add-on and that he uh this spirit didn't like that oh apparently not because he sent me terrified out of my room one night and then he seemed to leave when my dad built on the back porch i guess because renovations a lot of times make spirits restless and bring them to light well he was angry that my bedroom was being built on and then i guess by the time my dad got to the porch he had resigned himself because we never felt him again after that huh wow that's very interesting. So in that particular house, that was the only thing that happened was that you felt like that was one single entity in the house that had, had been doing things. Oh, yes. It, it was just him. He built the house and he lived there. He actually died in the house. He died in the living room. So I see. Yes, it was his house from start to end. And then my parents were the only other people to have ever they started out renting it when they were a young couple and then they bought it as they got a little older so there were only two families ever in that house the the man and then my family i see and is that house still owned by the family yes my mother still lives there oh, I my see. father has been dead for nine years but my mother still lives there i see and everything's been quiet all this time just when in the very everything's beginning everything's been quiet yep just the just I was probably uh, 20, 20 when it all stopped, 2021. 20, I'm considerably older now, but I was probably 20 or 21 when it all stopped. I see. I see. And after that, after you moved on, did, uh, did you encounter any other unusual things? Well, the house that I live in now has a presence and it has since we moved in, but I've always done ghost tours and I've done uh, paranormal shows. I was once a guest speaker at the Great Appalachian Spook Show. I did a paranormal speaking engagement at a show in Orlando one year. So the paranormal is still very much a part of my life. The house that I live in now, we can't quite figure out who's here. When we moved in, when I did the Great Appalachian Spook Show, I was explaining everything that was going on. And the people in the audience, we did a Q&A session, and they seemed to think that it sounded like a child. And I said, well, it does sound like a child, but there's never been any children living in this home. There's only been, strangely, much like my parents' home, 
my husband and I are only the third family to ever live in this house. And we bought it from the man who originally owned it. And there was a lady that had lived here for a short amount of time and rented it, but she didn't have any children. So even though the actions that happen in the house seem childlike, I still have a tendency to believe that it was the previous owner's wife, maybe. She was very frail, very sickly, and I just have a feeling that it was her being playful when we first moved in. I see. Huh. Although she did not like my choice in wallpaper, that was the first thing that let us know that she was here. Well, what happened with the wallpaper? A friend of mine had given me some, I'm a retired horror author. So people were always giving me things that they thought were creepy looking or or weird. And a friend of mine had given me some ghastly purple wallpaper with embossed ironwork on it. It was hideous. I loved it. <laughs> I couldn't wait to wallpaper the bathroom with it. Yeah. When my husband and I first moved in here, all we had was a couch that the little old man that had lived here left. And we had a couple of bags from Sears and one of them had the wallpaper in it. So I walked into our ensuite and said, I'm going to put the wallpaper up in here. And I happened to be out one day and I get a call from my husband and he said, what did you do with your wallpaper? I was going to do the bathroom. And I said, it's in the Sears bag. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it is. There's no place else it could have gone. I said, there were two pillows and the wallpaper. I said, it's not here. And so we hunted high and low for that wallpaper and never could find it. And then a couple of months later, I, I finally said, well, I guess I'm not doing the bathroom in that wallpaper. We'll have to find something else. A couple months later, I was out, got a call from the husband. I found your wallpaper. I said, where was it? In the Sears bag. Huh. I said, no, it wasn't. I said, I took everything out of that Sears bag. When wow. you said it wasn't there, the pillows were left in there, but the wallpaper had disappeared somewhere. And he said, it's in here now. Jeez. And I said, well, it's too late to do anything with it now. So. Yeah. Wow. That's really, that's pretty spooky for sure. It so is. You, so it is. I tell people that and they freak out and I'm just like, well, no, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, it was not in there. It was in there initially, and then it was not in there. And and fortunately, all right, back, because yeah. it was a it was a a big roll of of wallpaper. It wasn't like a little thing of wrapping paper that could maybe get misplaced. I mean, right. and there was nothing in this house yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you say that uh, the paranormal is pretty normal for you, and you're comfortable. So, what I guess kind of maybe let us let us know how what, how you sort of transcended into uh, you know, becoming a horror author and being comfortable around all the things that people consider kind of spooky and creepy and don't really want to acknowledge a lot of people when things happen, they just blow it off as if it didn't happen. So it sounds like when things happen, when you first started to experience things that you were open to trying to understand it better. Tell us about that. Oh, I very much was because I grew up when I was a child, there wasn't a lot of things to do around my hometown and now it's one of the biggest places around the Orlando area but in my childhood there was really nothing to do there it, the town wasn't even on the map yet 
And so we would go to the local cemeteries. That was where my mother grew up going with her parents was to the local cemetery. My mother always had me out at the cemetery. So, and then when my brother came along, we would all go to the cemetery. So I grew up going to cemeteries. I grew up taking cemetery photography. I have collected gravestone epitaphs since about the age of 15. And so I never considered cemeteries a spooky or creepy place. And I've always loved the darkness and I've always loved monsters. And so just gravitating toward horror was a natural thing for me. And then when I started telling people about my childhood, uh, the paranormal community came calling. And I, as I said, I guessed it at a couple of places, the Twin City Opera House is in Ohio. So I went there and I've done shows all over where people have asked questions about, and it's funny because people are very curious as to why the paranormal doesn't bother me, even at the Twin City Opera House, which is notoriously haunted. I was walking around there with the host of the weekend show and I was saying, well, there's something here and we're being watched and, oh, this is interesting over here. And the co-host looked at him and said, did you tell her anything? And he looked back at him and said, no, I have said absolutely nothing. This is her. And I said, I told you guys, I'm a natural empath, as is my mother before me, as was her mother before her. I said, so you shouldn't be surprised that I'm going through here and picking out where all of the, what you guys refer to as weirdness, is happening. And that is just how I grew up. To me, it is not out of the ordinary. Um, A man came into my house. My living room is made up. I have a mural painted on my living room wall. It's It's Throckmorton Castle. And then I have a cemetery scene painted on another wall. So my living room and the way I have it set up has been used for movie stock footage before and for interior shots of homes for horror movies. And a man came over to film one night and we're standing in the living room and he gets out his camera and he said, my battery's dead. And I said, oh, well, that's a shame. I said, do you need to plug it in? He said, no, no, you, you don't understand. It was fully charged before I got here. And he said, luckily, I have a backup. And so he got out his backup battery and he said, this one's dead too. And he said, I don't understand this. He said, both of these batteries were full. And I just, I looked out into the living room and I've always thought that the lady that haunts this house, her name was Eula because that was the man who owned the house before us. That was his wife's name. So I just looked up and I said, Eula, would you just please let me bother anything? And so, and he filmed his shots and left. And I guess that was a little unnerving for him because shortly after that, he didn't really speak to me more. I see. And then I made a film with another person who we used to have a chandelier hanging in our dining room and they filmed the interior shots and my husband saw it, but he didn't think anything of it either. There were strange, almost sword-like 
lights coming down from the chandelier. And the man came to us later and he said, look, I don't know what's going on with your house, but my editor tried for six months to get whatever this weird light is out of the film and he couldn't do it. So we had to leave it in. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. You know, I have to tell you uh, just, a, just a moment I, ago when you were mentioning the woman who you believe haunts the house, you, you cut out for a significant portion and then came back right after that with a strong signal. So uh, just FYI, she might be present. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it could be. She could be. And if, if she is, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you'll stop interfering. <laughs> yeah, she'll do that. She, she hides things. She'll still, she'll hide things. Uh, she'll turn lights on. She does all kinds of things. And my, she used to torment my familiar something terrible. She would lock her in the bedroom. She would chase her up the walls. She's, she's something else. Wow. Now you said you weren't afraid of the darkness and things like that. Um, what, I guess, give us some perspective on what you believe is going on with, with the events that happen and that people call ghostly encounters and spirits and things like that. Cause on this show we've had, you know, people talk about other things and, you know, there's people who believe in, in demons and things like that. And then there's people who have different takes on it all. So what is your take on hauntings per se? Um, are they, uh, I've had some personal experiences that are sort of like two way interactive, you know, sort of situation, uh, as opposed to like a loop playback where someone says they see this woman come through this wall at the same place at a certain time or frequently. So I guess kind of help us understand your, your perspective on it all. Well, what is so, I say odd, because I've grown up the way I have and have lived my life in the paranormal. I am also a diehard skeptic, believe it or not. People always say to me, I don't understand how you can have had paranormal experiences and be a diehard skeptic. And I tell people that's because just because you feel a chill when you walk into a room, that's not a ghost. That's not a demon. Just because you see dust floating in front of a camera lens, that's not a ghost. There are specific markers you have to look for when you're dealing with things. And I have had terrifying, haunting experiences. And I've also closed down a local quote unquote, at one time this was about 15, 20 years ago, a local paranormal group because they were fakers. And so I've experienced both sides of it. I remember being at the cigar bar in St. Augustine. I did a ghost tour there. And we walked upstairs and the person doing the tour said, there's been some strange things happen up here. Well, I broke off from the group and I immediately went down the hallway toward the bathroom. And the lady said, that's where everything happens. No one will use that bathroom because it's, it's so creepy. And I stood in the hallway and I braced myself and every hair on my body stood up and I stood there and I said, you're not coming out here and you're not going to bother anyone. You might as well stay back here because you're not bothering me and mm. you're not going to. 
And I stood in the hallway. The hallway was very narrow. And I put my hands on each wall. That's how narrow it was. Uh And something crawled up and down my back the entire time we were there. And it was nothing but pure malevolence. And I stood right there the entire time. And a young man, I opened a door. There was like a a cupboard under the, the stairway. It was one of those just you could store things. I opened it up peeked my head in and immediately closed it. And I said, no one is going near this cupboard. I said, there is something in here. Stay away. And everyone did. And a young man came running up the stairs later. And he put, he looked at me and he pointed his finger at me and he said, you, you, you felt it, didn't you? And I said, and he looked over at the cupboard and I said, yeah, there's something in there. And he said, you're damn right there's something in there. He said, let me tell you my story. He was very animated. Yeah. And he said, I was going to play a trick on my, my girlfriend one time. So I came up here and I hid in that cupboard and there was nothing in there but three chairs. I checked. I went in there and I was going to wait for her to come up. And he said, I was sitting in there and I felt a tap on my shoulder and something in my ear said, boo. <laughs> and he said, I ran screaming out from under there. And I said, yeah, there's something in there. Wow. I said, there's something down that hallway in the dark too. And he said, see, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew I wasn't crazy. I said, no, I said, there's something here and it's pure evil, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you say pure and evil, then, you think something that's never existed as a human, that there are entities out there floating around like that no i i i think it was probably someone because i look at it like this i was telling someone this earlier florida was mostly at one time american indians so there's no telling how many indian burial grounds there are in the state of florida there's no telling how many uh resting places have been disturbed how many spirits have been upset how many people have died violent deaths. So I'm surprised every single house, shopping plaza, mall, gas station, everything around this state. I'm I lost you there for a second. Are you still there, Andrew? <laughs> All right, guys, we'll uh, hold on for one second till we get a cigar bar ever got in Augustine. There, there must have been uh, someone who was maybe murdered there. There were, I think, there were pirates at one time in St. Augustine, so there was probably someone murdered there, buried there, something. Yeah, and um, I mean that's that tends to be the case all over America. I think there's, you know, obviously Native American. Um, groups that were all over the place here and uh here in san diego where i am um obviously we had for those who don't know we had uh, the spanish come through and build missions all along the coast of california and they encountered some uh dangerous situations and you know certain people lost their lives and things like that but um yeah i agree with you there can you know native american influence uh could be present in a lot of places across the United States. Oh, absolutely. And St. Augustine is much the same. The Spanish landed in St. Augustine as well, because 
my husband is also a native Floridian, and one of his ancestors was born in St. Augustine, and his wife was a Spaniard, a Spanish princess that had come to this country and with her family when the Spanish came over to St. Augustine. So, yeah, there's there's been wars and all kinds of trauma that have happened. So, I believe there are demons, but I have yet to encounter one, and I hope I never do. I have encountered evil. I have encountered evil people. I had what at one time was a legendary verbal fight with... Uh, I cannot remember his name. It was Charlie. That's it. With Charlie, an evil entity at the Twin City Opera House who made it very clear to the psychic in the group that if I left the group, he was going to kill me. So he and I, through the psychic, had it out wow. all night, I, taunting him. And he made it very clear. And, and the one of the women in the group got very upset because she said I was scaring the other ghosts off because they all disappeared. Charlie and I were going at it so badly. Wow. So what did, well, I mean, what did that sound like? What was that? There was just, uh... Uh, he just, he kept sending messages through in the way that the, the gentleman did it, um, would probably seem odd to some, but what it was, was I felt eyes on me when we were walking up around the catwalk and I looked up and I said, there's something over here. And then when I did my speech on the stage later, my husband actually caught an orb around me and I had a sense of unease in certain places in the Twin City Opera House. And when we went up onto the catwalk, and the man started talking about Charlie. And he said, do you remember? There was a lady there that had been on the tour before. And he's like, do you remember her? Uh, you kind of liked her last time you played. Or he was talking to Robert, another one of the ghosts that was there. And he said, do you remember her? You played with her hair. And the, the piece of equipment that he had flashed yes. And he said, okay, now I'm going to ask. And he said, just because everyone here needs to know and they need to be aware, is Charlie here? And the machine flashed very, very quickly. Huh. And he said, okay, you seem, you seem quite upset, Robert. He said, is, is there a reason that you're so upset? And the machine again flashed very, very quickly. And he said, is someone in danger here? Is there someone here that Charlie does not want here? And again, the machine flashed. And the, he said, well, is it, is it me? And nothing happened. And he said, is it? And he mentioned the lady with the hair that the, that the ghost Robert had liked. Nothing happened. And he just looked over at me and he said, is it by chance, Andrea? And the machine flashed like crazy. <laughs> and he said, um, is, is Andrea going to be okay? And the machine flashed very, and he said, does Andrea need to stay with the group? And the machine kept flashing. And he said, is Andrea in danger? And I watched, the, the light was very faint, but the the man doing the, the ghost tour, his face went completely white. He was terrified. And he looked at me and he said, you're in danger. I said, um, I seriously doubt it. And I said, you know what, Charlie, if you think you can take me on, bring it. I come from a very powerful bloodline of witch 
is bring it. You and I will have it out right here in the Twin City Opera House. I will kick your ass all <laughs> over this life in the afterlife and everywhere else. I said, come prove to me what a bad ass you are. And yeah. I leaned over the catwalk and I said, go ahead. Go ahead, Charlie. Pitch me off the catwalk. I'd love to see you do it. I said, yeah. I said, don't try to bring it with me. And this went on and he made one of the women in the group extremely sick. She got so upset. She braved going down the back of the stairs huh. by herself in the dark because she was terrified she got physically ill. Yeah. And we're walking around and the one of the other ghosts got very upset with me. They didn't like me fighting with Charlie because they let it be known through the machine that that, that the man had that he was going to make life hard on them. And I said, "Well, look, y'all need to learn to stand up to him. He's dead. He's got no power. He's got nothing here. You need to stand up to him. You need to set him straight." And you need to stop being afraid of him. Yeah. And I said, and and they didn't have it another the next year after that. But I said, you know what, Charlie? I said, anytime you want round two, buddy, I'm ready when you are. You bring it. <laughs> I said, you better pack an all day lunch, son. <laughs> That's awesome. And 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 it people everyone was scared. People were scared. And then the the one girl I went and checked on her, I said, Are you okay? And she said, Yeah. She said, I just she said, and I was so terrified. She said, you know, I had to have been to go down those stairs in pitch black by myself. And she said, I really thought I was going to throw up. And I said, well, I'm really sorry that that he did that to you because of me. And she said, but I'm glad you told him off. I said, yeah. I said, I can't stand that. I said, we weren't even doing anything up there. We were just walking around. We were all looking at the place. We were doing a little ghost tour. It wasn't like we were bothering anything or destroying anything. And I said, so I can't stand it when they act like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, what you mentioned, okay, so your, your lineage. So what is, I know there are different uh, takes on it all, but what is your um, lifestyle and so forth? Uh, one of the things is I noticed on your Instagram that caught my attention was that there are lots of these vampire balls and things like that. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm the founder of the Blackford Manor Vampires. It is an open vampire community for people who love vampires, uh, people who love the gothic lifestyle, people who are vampires, whether sanguine or even the the daywalkers, the people that can't really tolerate the sunlight, but they manage, but they do live a vampire lifestyle. It is very open to anyone who embraces the darkness. And I personally come from, as I've said before, a long line of wise women. So the witchcraft has been, is, which is what people call it, I prefer the term wise woman uh -huh. because that's what my mother's people are. My father's people, he, he hailed from a sorcerer. Okay. And so I am familiar with that side of the family too. And my lineage on my mother's side of the family goes all the way back to Belimar, who was an ancient god, if you believe in ancient Celtic mythology. Okay. He was a, a Welsh god. And my father's family tree, I can trace it all the way back to Zeus. So, and, and some people laugh at that and it's like, hey, you know, all fairy tales have a little bit of truth in them. Otherwise, there wouldn't be anywhere for them to come from. 
So whether Zeus was an actual person or he's what people have made him out to be, I can trace my lineage back. I also have extensive Viking heritage. I am descended through my father's side of the family from Ivar the Boneless. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so, so I, I, have a, I have a very distinguished and very proud heritage, and there are all kinds of, of powers in my family. I've always hated my gifts. I've never tried to hone them. I would never even dream of trying to make money from them. I have people contact me all the time. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And how much do I owe you? And I'm like, nothing. Hmm. It is an unspoken rule in the world of the craft. While you might need to charge for your materials if you have to go out. See, I, I don't buy materials. I use everything I can find, whether it's flowers, whether it's rocks. Uh, I'll pick up things very cheaply so I don't ever have to worry about money. I see. I'll pick up candles at yard sales for 10 cents or 25 cents or something like that. Yeah. But I tell people, you don't ever charge. You don't ever charge for anything you do. I do dream interpretation, all of it, and I, I never charge for any of it. So I, I don't live, I don't look like Morticia Adams which uh -huh. throws a lot of people. It, it's funny when I used to do the book signings, I'm quite friendly. Yeah, and you, when I would see people walk up to my table, they'd, they'd look at my books, they'd check my banner, they'd look <laughs> at me, yeah, and I'd say, hi, come on over. And they would look at me and say, but you're so normal. <laughs> And I would say, well, what do you want me to do? Throw bricks at you? Right, right. And and they would say, no, but we, I said, let me guess, you were expecting Morticia Adams, right? You were expecting somebody that looks like something out of role playing. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, <laughs> sorry, not me. Yeah, yeah. I just, I am who I am. I love the gothic and vampire look and I do dress that way. Uh -huh. But I also don't go through with the with the cosplay aspect of it of oh i'm too elite to speak to you and right. oh no i can only talk to you at midnight on halloween night you know i, I don't do <laughs> i don't do things like yeah. that i still i am what i am and that is just an everyday yeah. person i i have too much of a lineage and too much of a too much of a heritage to try to be anything other than absolutely what i am yeah authentic yeah. What is, let me ask this. Let me ask this. So is there, um, in this day and age, do you find that it's easier to talk about this stuff? Was it, or has it always been, I mean, are some people afraid or is there discrimination in certain neighborhoods or areas where people are very, have a strong belief system in other, in other ways where they, you know, have some sort of fear when they hear about these sorts of things? I don't think there's a fear any longer. I remember when, as a youngster, I would go into a, a bookstore and say, I'm looking for your paranormal section. And they would say, sorry, we don't have anything like that. So it is definitely more prevalent now. But unfortunately, that has also brought out what I kind of rudely refer to as the kooks. Okay. People who claim that they've seen things when they haven't, like the the group that I bust 
connected. Oh, there's this one. And oh, you can feel the spirits here. And I'm like, uh, no, actually, you can't. <laughs> and that, that's why a lot of paranormal conventions, I, I haven't been asked to many of them because if they have a ghost tour and they're not completely honest, uh-huh. I, I will. I will bust them and yeah. I will make no bones about it. And I will not feel bad about it because I did as a younger woman experience ridicule, mocking, and I have worked very, very hard myself and people like me. It's not just me. There, there are many of us still around. Right. And which is why many of us like myself, we don't just go all out and be like, oh, hey, um, let's have a TV show about us or or let's let's go do this and, and do that because we've experienced the ridicule. We've experienced the mocking and we've tried very hard to keep it legitimate, which is why I make it no secret if you better keep everything above board because if you're faking around me, I will call you out. And I did the same thing on the ghost tour in St. Augustine. Uh-huh. I told the lady when she had it, when she was doing it, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I am a genuine empath and I have a particular gift. And if you church this up for, <laughs> for ratings or whatever it is you want from your, your ghost tour, if it's not absolutely legit, I will bust you right here in front of everyone and I won't lose a second sleep over it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, she said, <laughs> and I happened to be there with a large goth group. So I said, and I'll tell everyone here that you're faking. And she said, okay, I understand. So everywhere we went, it was it was kind of funny because I'm I'm kind of spontaneous. So I'd walk into a room, we would walk into some place, and I'd be like, oh, okay, whoa, what happened over here in this corner? Uh-huh. And she would look at me, and she's like, oh my god, how could you possibly have known? And I'm like, uh, cause I walked in here and there's something freaky going on in this corner. Huh. And we walked up into the top of Scarlett O'Hara's, I believe is the name of the, the restaurant in St. Augustine. And it at one time had been a little rental place where people could rent apartments. And I walked over to just a random ledge standing there. And I'm like, okay, what is the deal with this area right here? And she looked at me and she threw her hands up and she said, my God, you really are the real thing, aren't you? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, this area right here was part of an apartment that they had to stop renting because people were having sheets snatched off their beds, their TVs were turning on, getting knocked over. I said, yeah, there's something funky going on right here. And she said, yeah, she said, we... Every time we come up here, she said, this is the first time something hasn't happened. I said, well, there's something going on here. I said, there is a funky feeling over in here. And she said, most people can't even get this close over here. And I'm like, doesn't bother me. I said, I'm just telling you there's something legitimately there's something here. And she's like, well, yeah, that's why these are no longer apartments. Yeah. So if, if there's something going on, I will gladly legitimize it. But if you're trying to tell me that, oh, yes, spirits haunt this and you can feel them floating through and they're not there, I'm going to stand up and say, uh, no, there's <laughs> nothing here. Yeah. I live, uh, if you've <clears throat> looked at all of any of my past stuff, uh, other listeners know I live about two blocks away from the Whaley House, which is considered 
America's most haunted house, according to some group that's no longer even around. (laughs) I would love to go there. (laughs) There's a there's a great book. I mentioned the library when I started the show. It's called uh, Piercing the Veil, and it gets into it researches the gentleman Charles Spratley. goes back into county records and researches all sorts of hauntings around San Diego from the Hotel Dell to the Grand Horton downtown. And it's great when someone, you know, can go and look and see, you know, there was nobody by that name here ever. And if you got killed in a hotel, even in 1890, you're still going to make the paper. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, so there, uh, yeah, at near the Whaley house, if there's a ghost tours, walking tours that go around and, uh, you know, I, I like to listen in sometimes if I'm just sitting along the wall there. And uh, I heard a particular gentleman talking about a vortex that was in a, a nearby, you know, there at the Whaley house. And somebody raised their hand and said, well, where is it? And he said, well, it's from here all the way to across the street and down over there. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I walk, I walk down this street for, you know, breakfast oh, three times a week. <laughs> I didn't know there was a vortex as I was passing through. So, right. Right. No, I, I, I completely understand because it's the people like that, the people like myself have had to fight against for the past 40 years. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And which is why I get so upset with, as I said, the kook factor. Yeah. Now, what do you, uh, what I do mean, you, I have, yeah, I was going to go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, so, um, so you have this heritage and belief system and, uh, the powers that you've grown up with over your lifetime, how does that intersect with the vampire community? Because uh, I've interviewed, uh, you know, other people involved with the vampire community, and it seems like it's fragmented among some people who like to dress up like that, other people who, uh, you know, believe that they need certain things, you know, to acquire energy and be healthy. And then you have the whole overlayer of Hollywood and fangs and capes and bats. So uh, I'm just curious from your perspective, because we're talking about authenticity and stuff, where the line is drawn for you or how you got involved with the vampire community, which probably struggles with some of the same things you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I ran into that too. And in fact, speaking of, authenticity. Uh, I'll tell you a little story. I was a a big part of the goth community because of writing horror, and I was a Borders bestseller in June of 2005. My first book hit uh, Borders' number one bestsellers list. And so I was woven into the goth community. Well, the goth community, at least in the Tampa Bay area, happens to intersect very much so with the vampire community. And of course, I thought it was cool at the time. And I fell in with a couple of sanguines. The husband and I would hang out with them. And I was like, at first, I was like, okay, well, you know, all of this is BS, right? You Really? I mean, you, you need to drink blood. Come on, give me a break. And we got to talking. And I was talking about the effect that the sun has on me and the way uh, heat drains me and that Florida is the last place someone like me should have been born. I burn and I just, I, I can't tolerate the heat at all. And the woman looks at me and says, why don't you just admit you're a daywalker? 
And I said, oh, what? Like, Blade is real now? <laughs> and she said, no. And she, she explained to me, there is a, a heritage. It's not very not very known about and it's not very much discussed but there happened to be people in ancient times who could go out in the sunlight but they they didn't have perfuria and they didn't change into bats and they didn't need blood but they had a lot of characteristics that people considered odd and they fell in with the vampire community and of course, I took a lot of ribbing when I started looking into it and started looking up people that could tolerate sunlight but still felt more at home in the darkness and the physical effects of the sunlight and the heat. And I absolutely was made fun of, ridiculed, mocked. I, it was ridiculous. And I was on a vampire forum one time and an elder, she was an elder to me at the time, I was still a young woman. And she got on the forum and she said, yeah, she said, you're not going to find much about it. She said, but there is ancient historical information about people who were considered vampires for nothing more than they didn't really seem human because of the gifts they had, the effect they had on people, the things they could do, and the effect that the sunlight and heat had on them so yeah daywalker didn't originate with blade but you're not going to find much on it and she at that time was the only person other than the sanguine couple that i knew that even had any knowledge so it's like i completely understand and even within the vampire community i was made fun of huh. wow. which is why i've started oh yeah i was very much made fun of what were they um, making fun of? I mean, what was their what were what what problem did they have with you? Uh, that that was fake. There was no such thing. Oh, that I had to either drink blood or I had to be a psychic vampire. Oh, that anything I else see. was was just yeah. And and like I said, I I had only come across two people that had, and I have since looked for this historical information. I used to have it bookmarked online, but as with everything online, after a while, it falls into the ethos. And now you pull up Daywalker and it's blade, 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 or people are pulling up Dom Fears, which are half vampire, half human. So then of course that intersects with blade. But that's why I started the Blackford Manor vampires because whether people feel as if they don't fit in or they feel as if they're different from others uh -huh. and with my gifts and abilities that i've always had i've alienated people my entire life completely not meaning to but i tend to frighten terribly frighten some people so I know what it's like to be ostracized and kicked to the curb and told that I'm weird and right. and be left out. And so that's why I started the manor for anyone who feels like that to have a safe haven to come to and join and post their thoughts. And if they're researching, post their research without being laughed at. Yeah, yeah. And where can people, anyone who's listening to this, where can they, um, if they're feeling like that, how can they find your uh, group? If you go to, you can you can try to find it on Facebook. If you are on Instagram, it's easier to find because I have my link tree up there, which goes to everything. But on Instagram, it's the Blackford 
B-L-A-C-K-F-O-R-D, Manor, M-A-N-O-R, Vampires, the Blackford Manor Vampires, and it's the same thing on Facebook, the Blackford Manor Vampires. Okay. And I offer a safe haven for for anyone, any anyone's welcome, the witchcraft community, the gothic community, the you know, whatever, everyone is welcome because I also have alienated a lot of people with my empathic abilities. I had a friend who wouldn't speak to me for over a year Uh. because of something that I told her and it upset and scared her so badly that even though I was 100% correct, it scared her to the point that she wouldn't speak to me for over a year. I see. And I didn't tell her to scare her. I, I, I told her because I thought she needed to know. I agonized three days before I told her. Yeah. And still, Still, she she wouldn't speak to me for over a year. So, I and that's the from, that's the tough part of the of being having those gifts, right? Is is dealing oh, really with stuff is. like that, where you know something about said, a family member or a friend, and you know then you know they're just not going to handle it. Right, right. Well, I from beginning to end uh, relayed her sister in law's murder, including every detail that there's no way anyone could have known unless they were standing there. Wow. And and she she dropped the phone and then when she picked it up and I could tell I, I could tell something was wrong and then she wouldn't speak to me again for over a year because when I would call her she would say, You're not calling to tell me something bad, are you? Oh. And I'd say no. She's like, okay, um, okay, well, yeah, let me call you back. <laughs> and and then there was never a call back. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like I've and, and I've done that my entire life. And I, I don't mean to upset people. I tell people things that I think they need to know. Yeah. And then people don't speak to me anymore. So oh, been there, done it, still being there, still yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, I completely understand. Tell me about uh, the book that you hit the bestsellers list with. What, 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 what was that book and what was it about? Uh, it was my first book, The Two. And it was about a man who buys a gorgeous ancient mansion and he finds a secret in the basement behind one of the walls. And it takes him on an adventure he was not quite ready for. It's a paranormal adventure. Uh, very, very creepy, though. All of my books are still on Amazon in print, uh-huh. even though I've been retired for 13 years now. I, I do write I have the estate of baronhill.com. That's my, my new writings. I don't write full-length novels anymore. But I am on Amazon under my name, Andrea Dean Van Scoy. So I I, you can find all of the books on there. Yeah, we'll, but, put, the, we'll yeah, put that one up in the library. I'd be happy to, to point uh, our listeners towards that. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, and then I got um, my second book came out. I won an award with that one. That was A Man of Two Worlds. And then when Michael came out, uh, I won an award with that one as well. And then playing devil's advocate, I got death threats and I got a death threat about a week before I did a convention. Uh, someone messaged me and told me that if I showed up to the convention, they were going to kill me. Oh my God. He was going to kill me. And they, they caught him at the door Jeez! because a friend of mine was running security. It was at the now defunct FX extravaganza, which was the biggest con in Orlando. Uh. And I had told him that someone had threatened to kill me. And so he searched everyone, he and his security team, and they found the guy. Jeez. And he was there. 
he was there with weapons to kill me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is your, I, I'm curious what your take is on some of the, I guess, mainstream religious belief systems. If you, if you want to get into that, I'm just curious your thought where on, uh, you know, groups that have real strong beliefs about the devil and evil things and, and that sort of thing where they, you know, uh, people who might come up under that belief system would be very afraid of anything else and sort of the things that you're comfortable with. That's probably why I am the way I am. I'm so open and so tolerant. I grew up a hellfire brimstone and damnation Southern Baptist, as did my mother, as did her mother and her mother. Any paganism, any outside anything was long forgotten by the time it got to my recent generations back. And what we could do and what we could see and things such as that, what we could predict, it wasn't discussed. And if something did happen, it was just, oh yeah, well, you know, sometimes things like that happen. It was very quickly brushed under the rug. And of course, the way I go out looking, and I am an ordained minister myself, I got tired of, when my husband and I got married, we didn't have a church. We don't go to church. We won't go to church because of the passing the offering plate. I come from a family of ministers and they get very upset with me when I say, if you really believe in God the way you say you do, uh, Jesus didn't have anything but the clothes on his back, the shoes on his feet. He had no money, no place to stay, yet he traveled everywhere and always had something to eat and a place to stay. If you truly believe in God, then you should be like Jesus and not have fancy cars and fancy homes. And of course, that isn't very a very popular thing to say. Right. So I don't have a lot of use for people like that because I don't follow a traditional path myself. I celebrate Yule. I believe that I don't believe that Jesus was born on December 25th. I celebrate Samhain. That's my favorite time of the year. That is the Celtic New Year. That's the time of the year when the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead is thin. Um, Easter, that's, that's another one that's based on a pagan holiday. I also have a master's degree in religious studies, so I'm very open to studying different religions and different thought processes. So I don't have a lot of use for mine is right and yours is wrong. Yeah. And that puts me at odds because I will come back at those who want to throw the Bible in people's faces and say things that are incorrect. And then I come up with, well, no, you can't say that because look at this. This happened in the Bible, and people say, oh, well, you can't go around and, and, and curse people or do this or do that. And I'm like, okay, then you're forgetting about the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with the imprecatory Psalms, which are some of the most heinous curses ever uttered by God. Huh. And people don't want to hear things like that. So I'm at odds, even though I'm a minister, and I will... I'll perform marriages for those that don't want to get married in church because I, as I was saying with my husband and I, I'll never forget, we went and stood in front of a justice of the peace in a stark white room with a table 
That was it. And some lady with a book. And that was it. And I thought, really? This is the best you can offer someone who chooses not to get married in church? Right. So I've done a vampire wedding in someone's backyard. I did a Celtic Christian, which is a blending of Christianity and and paganism. Some people call it Christo-pagan. I've done one of those. I did a just a simple wedding in uh, someone's living room while their dying mother lay in the bed watching The Walking Dead. Hmm. So I cater to people like that that, <laughs> right, that so- don't want to get married in church, don't feel the need to get married in church, and don't really know where to go or what to do. Yeah. Yeah, an alternative where you can still have a, a nice celebration that's not tied to things that you're not, don't want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what I cater to because I, I, I will never, I mean, that was my wedding day and I'm standing in a room that looked like I was getting ready to be committed to an insane asylum instead of get married, which I, depending on who you talk to, I guess that could be considered the same thing. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I told my husband, I was like, no one should ever, that should not have to be someone's choice. You either get married in a church where you're going to have to listen to some guy talk about hellfire, brimstone, and damnation, or he's going to want a lot of money, or he's going to want to try to save you or convert you or whatever else. Or you go stand in front of a justice of the peace and it, you know, you look like you're standing in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, uh, that that yeah. shouldn't be what people have to choose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I'm sure anyone who wants to do a, a ceremony like that can get in touch with you through your organization's contact us. Oh yeah. Anyone can, can contact me, um, whether it's on Facebook Instagram. Unfortunately, I can only do, I don't do video marriages or anything like that because it's, you know, some people will do like video type things. I can't do that because I always, I'm a stickler about making sure that the dates on the marriage certificates are correct and that everything, all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed and things like that. So if you are anywhere in the state of Florida, you could possibly be close to me for for obvious reasons. I'm, I'm not going to exactly tell you where I am, but you can always contact me. And if we're close enough, I, I can come do your marriage ceremony for you. Right, right. Good. Well, that's great. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, Andrea. It's uh, we're at that one hour mark and it was uh, really cool uh, to have you on and hear your point of view. And I think you're a very unique person and uh, you know, sort of all the different areas of life that you have put yourself in, you know, with from the marriages to the vampire balls to all that. Uh, so it was great to have you on and I hope everyone enjoyed hearing your stories. Maybe we'll do, uh, it sounds like you've got a lot, uh, there's a lot more we could go into. So maybe we'll do an, another show, uh, down the way. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, this has been another episode of spirits and more radio, um, Make sure that you uh, jump onto our website and subscribe so you don't miss anything, all right? And we will be back next time. Spirits and more radio. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.